The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, hi, everybody. Greetings from beautiful Flagstaff, Arizona, where we're at 7,000 feet elevation, and that means one thing. The weather is cool and dry. Yay. (laughs) I have two great guests today, and we had some technical difficulties, so I haven't even had a chance to say hi to them. I'm so grateful to say that for once, the technical difficulties were not on my end. (laughs) I got to a place where I have a good, strong signal. But I didn't even have a chance to make sure I know how to pronounce my guest's name properly. And that's so important to me. So my apologies if I get it wrong. Let me say hi. We have Stephen and Kathy. Those parts I can say right. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. So good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, these two are life partners. And Stephen, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Weber, Stephen Weber. It is Weber. Okay, because I had a friend, John Weber spelled the same way, but he pronounced it Weber. And Kathy, your last name is Plant, and I can pronounce that one very well. But I'd like yeah, to introduce you to our yeah, introduce you to our audience. I feel like I know you both very well because I read your book mm-hmm. from start to finish, and I'll share that right off the bat with everybody who's listening. Their book is called "The Place Between Here and There." A true story. And, oh, I hope everybody's rubbing their hands together right now because that's what this show is all about. Coming to understand that death is not the end and that there is another state of being that we in our human form call a place beyond the awareness we have of this lifetime here in a physical body. And I'm not going to tell you all about it because that's why Stephen and Kathy are here. So let's start with... Stephen, we're going to go back and forth and talk to both of you, I promise. But, uh, Stephen, you had... You know, he doesn't let me talk, so... He likes to talk? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen, uh, you had an experience that we'll get to that totally changed your life. But tell us what your life was like before that experience. Well, I I was pretty much a regular Joe. I considered myself uh, at the time a pleasure maximizing unit <laughs> in the sense that, you know, I worked hard and I played hard and I was, I was a biker, I was a Harley, uh, Harley Davidson uh, biker and, um, and as well as a computer engineer. And it's the way I lived my life. And, 
but I was also a parent, and uh, I had two young children, and they were pretty much the focus of my life. I had uh, sold my business back in 2007 to devote my time to being a full-time father, and uh, and that's what, what I did for quite some time. And, I want to uh, stop there for a second because that's so admirable, and the point came out quite a few times in the book from people who observed you being that dad. People in your town knew you for being that stay-at-home dad. Were you still working from home or was it full-time dad? Well, what what it was is I ran a small consulting business out of my home. I had sold my regular computer firm and so I ran a small consulting. It was part-time. I was a full-time parent to my kids and uh, and that was a job I was really best at. I mean, really, all the jobs I've had in my life, I just I just I, it was so rewarding. I wasn't a parent till later in life, and so uh, and so it was a driving force. And and I had uh, I had sold my business because it was a twenty four hour job, and I I was missing out on being a parent. And uh, and I didn't want to want to do that. And I uh, I was able to make ends meet. We were able to you know we were able to make ends meet, but uh, but the focus was well, was the kids, and and that was my my life. I was uh, elected to the school board. And I, I was very active in local civic actions, and that's how I met Kathy. Is that uh, is that we we're both very much involved in PTA, and I was Mr. Mom, and, uh, and that was my my life for quite some time. Well, let me ask Kathy then. Uh, Kathy, you know all sides of Stephen now, but uh, when you knew him, yeah. how much of this biker Harley Davidson rider persona came out? Oh my you, God, you would it be around him. I mean, he had the tattoos, the, the leather jackets, the chains, the long <laughs> hair and ponytail. And he was, I would say, intimidating from the neck down. But when you saw his eyes, there was a warmth. Um, he always had a spark to him. He had a vivaciousness, a zest for life, a passion for the community, for the kids. He always had his kids in tow. So it was obvious that despite that rowdy look he had about him and that <laughs> massive loud bike that he rode down the street. He was a, a caring guy and a great asset to the community. I mean, the school board, he was at every PTA meeting. He was in the, with the, always at the Chamber of Commerce activities, the local politics. So he was a friend to all of us women because he was a great asset for the cause of the children, which, of course, is our number one concern. Well, isn't that interesting, though, how we humans do stereotype people? And I'm sure that there were a lot of people that would take one look at you, Steve, and and not want to engage you. And yet, from what Kathy says, from what's in your book, you were one of the most engaging people out there. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, Kathy's Kathy's very kind to me, and Kathy's a very you know, kind person. But I, I do have to admit, the first time she met me, she crossed the street. <laughs> went to the other side. And I, and I said to her, and I, and I walked, and I said, lady, I said, it's dangerous on this side of the road. Why don't you come over to the other side? And she, she kind of like sized me up. I didn't know what she was doing at the time, but she had a long pause. And then I saw she made a decision. She smiled and she said, of course. And that's how I kind of met her. That's great. But he also had a massive German Shepherd. It wasn't just him. It was the, the complete package was a little overwhelming for me <laughs> as a, uh, at the time, a petite little innocent girl. 
No, and, and it was. Yeah. Kathy I see was myself. very much like a. Yeah, Kathy was very much like a Molly Ringwald type, if you remember from that. She she's very like pretty in pink, and I was pretty much a biker at the time. But uh, but like I said, I was a computer engineer and I was a parent, and so I mean we do make a lot of fun with with it because I certainly you know riding Harley's was was a big part of my life. I as a little kid I uh, had a paper route, and I bought a motorcycle, and I was really very young, and uh, so it's always been a part of my life, and so. Uh, so the fact that I found myself in this crazy situation that one day is uh, is, is still kind of tough to believe, but it well, was Well, let's, great, let's great go there now then. Let's show how you were always drawn to motorcycles and a big part of your life and, as everybody's about to hear, a big part of your death. Yeah, well, well if I was to elaborate on it a little bit uh, from that day, is that it was a day just like any other day, is that I lived on Long Island at the time. And uh, what I would do often on Sunday afternoons, after all the work was done and the kids were <laughs> put away, I would take a ride out east and out for a barbecue. And I'd go to a barbecue restaurant and have a couple of uh, ribs and then head home. And uh, that's what I did. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was on my way home. And uh, there was a lot of traffic. I saw there was a right-hand turn up ahead. And so, like many of the other people were doing, is I jumped on the shoulder of the road to to get out of traffic and make that right turn is just when I hit an intersection, somebody uh, let another car in. It was actually a truck in to make a left-hand turn, and it crossed right into my path and T-boned me right on the side. They impacted my body first, and wow, the lights went out. Uh, you know, I've been in many, many accidents in my life because of dirt bikes. You always felt fell down. You, you, you did. You got used to a kid. You kind of bounced up pretty quickly, too. So, so being Well, you know, Stephen, myself, if I remember from the book, you tried to bounce up. You were not immediately unconscious. Yeah, or you well, were, but then you woke up. Yeah, that was, that, that was it, is that I was out for a while. And from riding dirt bikes, we had one, one saying is that if you, if, you, if you knock down, you're going to stay down if you don't get up right away. No matter what, you have to get up right away. And so, and so when I came to, like I was out for a while, when I came to, there's a whole load of emergency vehicles around me. I realized that, uh, that some time must have passed. And mm -hmm. there was an emergency worker hovering over me, telling me to stay down, stay down. I must have been trying to get up at the time. And mm -hmm. I, it was just an automatic thing. And then I just tried to push myself up all the way. And wow, I felt this extreme pain in my hip. Like the, I could feel the fragments of the bones sticking into my muscle. And I just I laid back and I looked up at the clouds and I realized that my life was never going to be the same. And all of a sudden, everything took on such a surreal look about it. It was almost like from a dream, like, like everything like, was in slow motion. I felt myself fading away. Um, it, it was a very strange feeling. Any then, fear? No, no, I was just, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like that. I was just so caught up in the moment. In fact, I could say, Susan, not, not that you asked, is that um, at no time did I experience any fear ever through the whole experience. Yeah. I felt different emotions, which, which we'll talk about, but, uh, but, 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 but really the, um, the, um, the real, the real, hmm. And, and um, let me just interrupt you a second, Stephen, because this is such an important point, and I just did an interview yeah. about the fear of death, yeah. that 
here you use the word, I felt myself fading away. And you're aware of you have these two children, they're the most important things, people in your life. You're fading away and you're telling us no fear. So that's huge. Well, I and let me ex- expand upon that a little bit more. It's because that at the time, the only thing was mattering at that time was the experience. Nothing else mattered at that time. That's why I really, truly, I was dying. Because my, my body was getting ready because all of a sudden I was getting this tunnel vision and tunnel thought that it was just wrapped up in a situation and I felt myself becoming separated from all that was going on. I felt like I was, uh, like I was a voyeur in, in mm-hmm. everything that was going on. I didn't feel out of my body, but I felt like I really wasn't part of what was going on at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. A different level of the eye, as it were. Huh. Well, okay, so then, what happened? Where did you find yourself? Well, 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 the next thing I was, I was soaring through the clouds. And, uh, and, uh, and I felt myself like being a little bit more aware because that, you know, soaring through the clouds and feeling, feeling all the feelings that you would feel, it's very, it, it kind of like shocks you. And I felt myself rising towards the clouds. And just as I... Kept on, thought I kept on going. I started to lower from the clouds. And then I started to see on the ground this big circle. And I realized I was in a helicopter. I was actually outside of a helicopter. And I was being airlifted to one of the most premier, premier trauma centers in the world, the United States, Stony Brook Medical Center, a medical university, which I graduated from. And, uh, and it's just like, it's just such dumb luck that I just live in a part of this country where they have this helicopter that can come and pick you up. There was a field that they could land on, that there were all these professionals who were in the area who were stopping in cars to administer emergency first aid to me. At the time, I was, my, my, my spine was damp, my spine was broken, my hip was shattered, I had internal e- injuries, I was bleeding to death, I had a trauma, traumatic head injury. I mean, I was... Mm, Anywhere where else, that was it. And at the time, I would have been very upset about it, <laughs> you know, in yeah, the sense like, yeah. like, like I held on to life so tightly at that time. And, uh, and, but, but wow, it just so many things had to happen. And so I found myself landing at Stony Brook Hospital. And that was the last thing that I remember about being physically on earth for <laughs> what sent like many lifetimes, for a very, very long time. Although I was only in the coma for, for three weeks in my body, I was in this other place for a lifetime. I learned so much there. And, uh, and when I say I was on the brink of death, I really was. I was, I was in bleeding internally, and they couldn't stop the bleeding. And just from my hip being shattered and bone fragments all over the place and my spine and trying to stabilize me so I wouldn't be paralyzed, and it was three weeks of this constant stuff. It was, I, they almost had to amputate my leg because the swelling cut off the blood. It was incident after incident where I just came so close to it. And, uh, and they just found a way to keep me, keep me living, keep me alive. And, so let uh, me ask and, you, during this time of three weeks in a coma, how much awareness did you have of your body, if at all, and if not at all, what was going on in your awareness? In my awareness, nothing at all happened. 
Nothing. I was healthy. I was fine. I was, I wasn't even, it wasn't that I didn't know who I was. I knew who I was, but I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking about who I was or anything about that. I was just thinking about the situation. Like you were asking me early on about the, what, what, what I was feeling. Was I thinking of the kids? Was I thinking of that? I was only thinking of the situation. From here on in, everything is about the situation. Is that I really didn't, I didn't move from place to place. I just found myself in situation after situation that I had to deal with. So according to myself, and, and this also took a lot of adjusting when, when returning back to my body, is that I didn't know there was anything wrong with me. I was fine in this other place. In fact, I was better than fine. Huh. Okay. Well, let's see. I don't want to leave Kathy without saying anything. Do, how, I don't know how close you are. I can't quite remember at the time. How did you find out about Steve's Steve's Oh, gosh. Injury? At the time, we were very close. As we had been friends for about 16 years. Okay. And um, like I said in the book, our friendship was so beautiful and sacred because Steve was someone that I could trust. He was very respectful. He never tried to hit on me or do anything inappropriate. So we got very close and I, I came to, I guess, consider him a confidant, one of my bestest friends, like someone that I, I turned to when life was tough and I needed someone to talk to. And when his cousin, who was a mutual friend, called me and told me that he had been in the accident, it was devastating. I mean, not only was I thinking about what it would mean in my life if he didn't make it, but what, he would, what that would mean to the, his family, to the community, to the school, to everyone, because yeah. he had become almost like a larger-than-life figure in our town, if if you could understand that. Sure. And it just, it made no sense to me, but his cousin said that we, we don't even know if he's going to make it 12 hours. So let he me said, just jump ahead just a little bit. We're going to then backtrack, Steve, to talk about what you were experiencing in that state. But Kathy, you somehow had an understanding from incidents when your mother passed and your brother passed that even if he were to pass, there would be more. I'd love if you just shared what happened after your mother passed to give you that understanding. Well, I, I've always been a very spiritual person. I felt like I connected with angels and saints when I was young. I always knew God would take care of me. I mean, this was something that I was born with. I wasn't raised religiously. It just was in me. And mm -hmm. When my mom and my brother passed close and suddenly, I poured myself into books by like uh, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, Raven Moody, Dr. Dyer, like any book I could get on spirituality, afterlife, death and dying, mm -hmm. all that. NPCs, I read every one of them and it all validated my feelings. And that was that when people are not in this world, they are in another realm, a realm of love and light. And what I learned from those books that I didn't know is that when you are in a coma or unconscious for any reason, that your body also travels to that space. So I knew that I could communicate with Steve just like I communicated with my mother and my brother. So when, when I heard about what happened, I, I'm not next of kin. I couldn't go into the ICU, and that's where he was. So in my head, I spoke to him and I said, Steve, 
I can't go see you, but just pretend that I'm sitting in the hospital room with you and I'm holding your hand and we're saying prayers. And at the time, um, my favorite saints were St. Jude, St. Michael, but I, I, I knew that, and St. Teresa, but St. Jude was the patron saint of helpless causes and hopeless <laughs> cases. And this was very hopeless and helpless. And so I said, we're going to say this prayer together, and I'm going to do this every day until you come back to this earth because we need you. Hmm. So days went by, weeks went by, and, and at that point, it was very grim because being in a coma that long, he could have been brain dead. He could have had, like, extensive injuries and might not have come back. So when three weeks later, his he texted me in the middle of the night and said, hi, Kath, it's Steve. I'm okay. I just want to thank you for visiting me when I was quote unquote out, out, if you know what I mean. And I just, I was shaking because I knew that I knew what was going on. I just didn't know that he would know because he wasn't really that spiritual. So I texted back. I said, you mean you know? And he said, let's just say I've been to a place where I've learned that everybody is connected, but that you and I have a connection that goes beyond this earth. And I learned things, and I heard all your prayers, and I want to talk to you tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Everybody listening, I, I, every time I do a show, I get a, I have these goosebump moments, and that is a huge <laughs> one. I, I try to put myself in your position of hearing the, the text tone in the middle of the night, and you've been worried for three weeks, and here he is saying, hey, and wow. Steve, let's get, go back over to you then. I mean, you've been out for three weeks. You come to consciousness in the first thing, conscious state. The first thing you want to do is share what you've experienced with Kathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so, that was very important to me. Yeah, that was very important to me because that there was a realization is that I became aware of her prayers when I was in the place between here and there, and I was going through a trial. It was a very tough time for me. I was being tested on what I had learned, at least what I later understood to be a test for what I had learned, and I was really, I was really having a very tough time of it. And there was this lady there that kept on praying and that I didn't understand it why, why she was there because everyone had a purpose except for her. And she <laughs> just kept on praying. And but I, I could sort of make out the words, but it wasn't it wasn't that the words that I felt. It was it was almost like the words, the prayer was just the vehicle for bringing this this intense love, this tense this this intense wisdom and this intense love and energy to me. Like I, it, it gave me strength at such a critical time. It wasn't the words. It was, it was the channeling of the spirit that I felt that, that really helped me through this very difficult time. And so a lot of it, you know, part of it is I just wanted to say thank you, you know. But, 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 but to say thank you, it's not, that doesn't convey the right words. Is that I wanted to acknowledge this. I wanted to, you know, at the time, you know. I wanted to acknowledge it, and I, because I saw, because there were people in my life prior to that part, point, like friends and other people who were very prominent in my life, and that now I look at them with a different set of eyes, and, and I see them differently. I see them as wonderful people, but I realized, no, they weren't really part of my life in the way that I thought. It was that, in no, no fault of their own. But, but then I start to look at people in my life, sometimes people I didn't even notice, or people I just had a very casual relationship, 
And now I saw them in a different light. Like I didn't notice, I didn't notice their true spirit because after having this experience, I could see spirit now. And so now it's almost like I almost saw, I don't know how to say it, but, but I almost saw Kathy naked in a sense, like, like, like I saw her spirit, and I wanted her to yeah. know that. And I wanted her, for her higher self to be with my higher self, I just, I just wanted to know how crazy I was. And of course, <laughs> when I talk to Kathy about stuff like, like this, I'm not crazy at all. But to the rest of the world, I am. <laughs> well, I think the, the, what I gained from what you just shared, the most important point from both of you, is that Kathy was not at your side praying it didn't matter where she was you received the message loud and clear yeah that's that's just a physical thing when you're dealing in the spiritual you know spirit is different it uh, science and spirit explain the same thing it does but but spirit goes about it in a different way and so, and, and so this is spirit and when you say that you could see spirit now do you mean objectively with your eyes when you came back to full waking consciousness, you could see auras, you could see spirit, or just you internally knew these are souls I'm talking to? Which was it? Number two. <laughs> Number two. But, but, but it's more like it's, like, it's like I see you. It's like <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's more than seeing somebody. It's, it's recognizing their, their own namo gudev namo. I recognize the inner teacher inside of you. And what you're really saying is that, is that I recognize your spirit. I see you. Your purpose here is to learn. And so, and so I'm here to learn too. And so I recognize your spirit. And so that's what I, what I see. It's an understanding. It's, you know, at first, my path to this understanding, there was a point where I saw it physically. But, but that's, that's almost like a phase you go through. You don't need to see it. So when right. I was in that place and I was taught to see spirit, I went through these phases of, of learning how to see spirit, understanding it. And so there was a time when I saw an aura, but really, I don't, it, it's not like that. It's an energy. I'm not explaining it more than that. No, you're you're doing a great job, and in fact, I can see already we're not going to get to all the details of the phases that you went to when you were in the place between here and there, and we'll talk about what <laughs> that place is when we get back. But it's truly, I can tell, and I just got my lip twitch from my guides that just being in your energy and feeling it now, people gain an understanding of what it is you're talking about, and. I'm sorry, but we're already coming up to a break. So I'm going <laughs> to take us into a break and we're going to come back and feel more of that excitement and more of both of you have this beautiful angelic energy about you, beautiful teachers. We're talking with Stephen Weber and Kathy Plant about the book, The Place Between Here and There and the experiences that led up to it. So much more to talk about. So we'll be back after a three-minute break. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further 
allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hey, everybody. We are having a rousing high-energy conversation with Stephen Weber and Kathy Plant. They're life partners. Uh, didn't We might have a chance to talk about this. Didn't realize that they were destined to be together, and now they are together. In the first half, we talked about Steve's near-death experience from a motorcycle accident. And most of you listening right now, if you haven't read their book, The Place Between Here and There, think this whole show is about near-death experience and what you learn from it. That's only part of the story because now there's a little twist that uh, really adds a different whole dimension to this. Steve, you had one of those experiences that many of our listeners on this show are well familiar with. Why don't you tell us about what happened with your son? Yeah. Um, well, uh, after I had uh, come out of this accident, um, you know, I'd gone through a very long rehabilitation process. It was very difficult. And, uh, you know, Kathy, Kathy was helping me along the way. You know, it was very much, she's halfway between Sergeant Slaughter and Mother Teresa. You know, she, she could really <laughs> push me really hard and be very kind as well. And things were, were going okay. And, and life was starting to return back to normal. And then, uh, then one evening, I found my son, Nicholas, dead in our basement mm. from a heroin overdose. And, um, and you know it was. Uh, it, I mean, what what do you say? And, yeah. Um, you, was, you don't you don't need to was, say anything to this audience. But I know it's it's still a shock. You you started off the first half showing how you you gave up your your company to spend your time with your children, and now I'm sure you have no regrets about that. No, no, absolutely not. But but I want to express this. If you think it's appropriate, I want to express this feeling because it's very important that uh, that is that. I felt like I worked so hard for my son. Like he was a championship wrestler, New York State champion. He he was a musician. He played three instruments. Like wow, I don't mean like he played the guitar, saxophone, and piano. Three very different instruments. Like in all the styles, he was just he was such a remarkable person in so many ways. But it was always a struggle because he he was on the spectrum. He was he was and and you know he did something so well. And other things, he was completely, he, he needed help in certain areas. And I just, I felt like I failed, like I tried so hard to make everything right. And I just, ah, it's just like, where did I go wrong? Like, I was very prideful about being a biker and having an alternative, alternative personality. But all that stuff wasn't so funny now, you know? It wasn't so cool now. Like, I really questioned so much about what, what, what I stood for. And everything, and not to mention all of the things I would miss out on, all of the, you know, I mean, what was I grieving for? Was I grieving for my son or myself or everything? It was just such a tough time, and, and it was at that time I would go walking with Kathy, and, 
And even at this time, I was still questioning my experience there in that place. And that they did all those beautiful things that happened to me, that these understandings and the realizations of life and the purpose of life, you know, all those things, are those real? And it was going through these realizations at this time that I began to understand things. And it wasn't like it was just like one moment that it happened, like an epiphany, but it was like taking small bites that I can handle each day. And I started to realize how beautiful that place was. Really, it was. I, you know, I didn't want to leave. I didn't. I loved that place. I learned such blissful things there. But really, I learned the meaning of life. And I also learned that, that your experience are everything. And some of the most difficult experiences that I had on earth when I was in that other places were the things that brought me the deepest understanding. And through that understanding, I felt bliss. And so I started to really review all the experiences that I learned there. And I started to feel different things. I started to look at my son's passing in a different way. And as I started to realize that, that there is truly bliss after this world, that there is meaning in everything that we do. There's a physical meaning and there's a spiritual meaning. And we're here to learn and grow. And part of the experience in that other place was having a life review and going through all the experiences in your life over and over again and learning from them. And each time I did this experience, I learned and I felt this bliss. And I felt like all of this led me to the place that I could begin to heal and understand and make peace with Nick. And and it wasn't it wasn't like an overnight thing. Right. It was a slow it was a slow thing. And, I, and one of the first things that the real healing events was was, was that Kathy <laughs> she had this statue of Saint Teresa. And one day she, she comes to me while we're hiking in the woods, she says, Had Nick ever tried to contact me? Hey, Stephen could I yeah. interrupt and could we ask Kathy yeah. to share this because I can I, I want to hear <laughs> Kathy's point of view. <laughs> I love, yeah, I can listen to you all day, but I want to get a little balance here. <laughs> yeah, well, um, as you as you know, um, that connection that we had when he was on the other side and I was here was quite strong, and I, I figured that he had all this awareness. But I guess after Nick passed, the grief was overwhelming, and it, mm-hmm. it brought his vibe down slightly, so... Nick was trying to get all these messages across, and he was using me and Steve's cousin, who were very open spiritually, and I, and I was just like feeling Mother Teresa, I, I mean, not, uh, St. Teresa, I would find roses everywhere, I would dream about roses, and it was all around the anniversary of Nick's death, and I'm like, Steve, I said, you know, has Nick tried to contact you? Because he's coming through to me. He's sending roses. And, and this, the last time this happened every day was after my brother passed, and I was getting heart from my brother. So this, to me, was Nick. And he was like, no, nah, that's just a coincidence. <laughs> and, and, but days would go by, and, and he still wasn't seeing it. And I'm thinking, is this the guy that texted me in the middle of the night and said that he knows stuff? Like, why doesn't he know stuff now? Nick, his spirit is alive and singing to him. Like I'm here, dad. And he wasn't seeing it. So I said, he appeased me. And I said, listen, I just want to make a a shrine to Nick, put a St. Teresa statue there. And I wrote on a rock, um, the woodland shrine to St. Teresa, and I, I said some prayers to Nick, and Steve appeased me, you know, he thought I was <laughs> kooky, but 
you know, I, I guess he still had that biker in him while I still had that, like, that different energy. Exactly. And, um, and so he, he just, he just let it go. And, and I would talk to him about it. I'd say, you know, I got another sign from Nick and he's like, Oh, that's another coincidence. But it wasn't until his cousin went to a local psychic and I knew she was going, she went to connect with her grandma. She wasn't going to connect with Nick, but the psychic the minute she may, down, may I interrupt you a second, Kathy? Sure. So two points I want to make real quickly. For, there are so <laughs> many people who are grieving and do miss the signs and do chalk it up yeah. to, to coincidence. And that's normal. But I love that the two of you were brought together because here you're seeing these clearly as signs. And now we bring in the medium. You call her a psychic, but one who connects with those who have passed is a medium. She went to a medium. Listen, everybody, to this beautiful validation. You're right. It was a medium. And the, the psychic medium said to her, there's a Nick coming through. Do you know this person? And she said, yes. And the psychic medium said, well, he's showing me the, a, a one and a two. So I could take that as the 12th, like a December or a January 2nd. And she's like, oh, my gosh, Nick passed. Uh, Nick's birthday is uh, January 2nd. And he said, he said he's sending roses. He's saying he has a synchronicity with St. Teresa. Now, oh, Lisa man. did not know what was going on. So she just said, okay, and she'd take down her notes. You know, I want to make another point here. I love that it was your cousin that went to the medium and not you, Kathy, because if right. it had been you, skeptics might say, well, she was just reading your mind about these roses and Teresa. Exactly. St. Teresa. Exactly. Is, yeah. So Keep she, going, please. She brought that. Um, he had the synchronicity with St. Teresa, and who was I was getting roses, and they were going to me. And then she said all uh, other kinds of stuff about their football numbers, and, and Lisa's son and Nick stood on the line side by side, and, and she validated that. And then I told Steve about all of these amazing things, and he still chalked it up to coincidence. I was like, Steve! <laughs> <laughs> but the aha moment came when we were on the way to the shrine with a prayer card that someone gave to us and I'm reading it it's a, a prayer about St. Teresa and not only did Nick and St. Teresa share a birthday but she was canonized on the day he died so I'm like Steve come <laughs> on what are the odds that they would share the synchronicity of those two days out of a 365 days of the year. And at that point, he said, well, Kath, I think you're onto something. I'm like, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> and I can just imagine Nick across the veil going, finally, Dad. <laughs> and and once, once he made that validation, Susan, life changed because then the signs were coming weekly, then daily. Then, I mean, I don't think it's a day that goes by now that we're not guided by spirit somewhere somehow for positivity and love and light and it's just it's amazing and it changed these worlds tremendously and what it took i can hear everybody saying i want to get to that point i want to see him it was just steve it feels to me like just a kind of surrender like i give up okay already and it, you just let down that belief system that's like a wall the the worldview that says this can't possibly be once that wall comes down here it comes yeah, it it took a while because that uh, eventually, actually, Kathy appealed to my to my analytical side. Is that is that I can do the math? There's no way, 
you know, those two dates, for, for, for Nick to be born on the same day and for him to die on the day that St. Teresa was canonized, the fact that Kathy had the St. Teresa statue, that we had put it to St. Teresa out, and all these people wrote all these prayers, like, it was one thing after another. It was like they got to the point of no denying it. And, and, and what was really the kicker for me, I mean, there, there were many things, but, but the signs and synchronicities, when Kathy asked me, did Nick try to contact me, I was thinking about sitting, I was thinking about through a medium. And mediums do such beautiful work. But for me, I didn't feel that. I felt I didn't need an intermediary to go between mm-hmm. me and my son. It's, it's yeah. like to have somebody begin to interpret my son and tell me about it, First off, if they got it wrong, I'd, I'd feel kind of, you know, but, but, but also is that I just didn't, I didn't feel that. It's almost like a voyeur on our relationship is that, is that it's between me and Nick. And, and it wasn't until signs that I realized that, that, that Kathy pointed out that Nick had been trying to contact me through signs. He knew this, and I was just ignoring it and putting it up to conse- uh, coincidences, and this was just the first step. The real, the real step was, was when Kathy and I were walking on the beach one day, and Kathy was doing these affirmations for, um, for to uh, Saint Jude, to uh, uh, no, 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 it was uh, it was uh, Saint uh, the Violet Flame, it was uh, Saint Germain, and so and so she was she was giving these affirmations to bring about world healing during the health crisis that we're all experiencing, and that. Um, and she was trying to bring healing energy, and she wanted a sign from the violet flame from Saint Germain that he was hearing her love. And so she asked for a piece of violet beach glass. So we live by the beach. Kathy always collects beach glass. Violet beach glass is about as rare as hen's teeth. You will never, ever, 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 ever find violet violet beach glass. Uh-huh. And, and so, and so when when she was saying she wanted to find this beach glass as a sign. Um, I knew it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we're on our way out. She's disappointed. We see this puppy, this Dalmatian, little Dalmatian puppy walking around, going, you know, doing puppy things, and jumps all over us. How is that? How did it go? The comes running over and apologizes. <laughs> and so I asked, what the dog's name is? The lady tells me the dog's name is Violet. Now, yeah. this is Dalmatian puppy. There's no way this dog's name is Violet. It's ridiculous. And so, and so, and, and so, and so, Kathy talks like nothing's going on. And and so, and, and so, I'm like speechless. And so we walk away, and she's and she's talking about the conversation. And she says, "Oh, I didn't find Violet beach glass." And I looked at it, and I said with clenched teeth, "I said." Kathy, the dog's name is Violet. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we have a convert here. You, your analytical side was able to set aside that it wasn't the glass, but you got the violet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and that's so true. But, but, but really, you gotta, I had to take away the oh wow factor. Because that, the oh wow factor, if you see a sign, you go, oh wow, isn't that cool? Woo woo, you get the woo woos. But you really have to listen to the message. And I said to Kathy, this is a real message. We have to find out why we met this person. And it wasn't until two weeks later that, that we came across her again and the puppy, and we talked to her. She lost her son as well. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, and as, as a young man, and, and shocking, and it was very, you know, awful, awful thing. And, um, and, and we talked, and we became very good friends especially during a very difficult time. And that was my son, not only reaching out to me, but reaching out to this beautiful lady 
for this little puppy named Violet to and bring us both together of your sons. talk about these things. That really is, and that's the beauty of signs. They're alive in this world, and you have to get past, in my opinion, you have to try to get past the wow and try to find the meaning in, in it and see, seek guidance. For me, spirit doesn't avoid pain, doesn't avoid difficult things for me. Spirit helps me work through them to learn the lesson, and that's the guidance that I look for. I love that. That's something that's so often missed. We say, wow, and that's it. But why did you get that sign? Pull the thread just a little more. There's always more. It's beautiful. So, Stephen, you you mm-hmm. were talking to me on the break about how you were taught to see spirit, something that, that uh, is a little bit different. I'd love if you share that with us. Well, well, I spoke on the Mogu Dev Namo, and that's and that's a that's Sanskrit for I bow to the inner teacher. And what and so when they were teaching me how to see things and how to understand things, it wasn't like I was in a universe that they opened up to chapter one and said, Okay, Steve, here's spirituality one oh one, start here. No, it wasn't like that. The first thing that I learned was to see spirit in everybody and everything. And first I was presented with this gentleman who I hadn't seen in years. I hadn't seen him in years but he looked exactly like I remembered him. And I was just interacting with him in a normal way. Is this while you were in the coma? Yeah. This is okay. when I was in the other place. Mm-hmm. The place between here and there. And, and, and I would just interact with, with him. And so that was that, that was that. And then I would see him later on, but he appeared to have aged like 50 years. Hmm. But I was still able to recognize him. And that went on for a long time. He kept on changing forms. You know, he, at one time he'd be a young person, then he would be an older person, then he would be a woman, then he would be a child, then he would be different nationalities. And as time went on, it got more difficult to, to recognize him, but I was still able to see him. I was still able to recognize him. And after this going on for the longest time, I started to realize what I was seeing. I was beginning to see that part of that person that is their infinite spirit, that part that never yes. dies, that always goes on forever, that part of you that is uniquely you, that isn't a boy, that isn't a girl, that isn't a father, a husband. It's a spirit. You're yes. incarnated with everything else. It's that part of you that makes you uniquely you. That's what I was being taught to see. And by seeing this gentleman in all different shapes and sizes and everything, I was being taught to see and then eventually feel the spirit. And once I became in tune to the spirit, being walked down this, this, this path on how to see and understand spirit, I started to see and feel spirit in everything, everything, from the planet to the flowers to everything. And it was then I realized that, that even more than that, that all of this spirit, they were all different, but there was a commonality. There was a connection. And I began to understand, at least in my own way, that we are all connected Everything, the universe, everything has a spirit. And it was then in my own world, and this is the universe according to Steve, is that it was then I realized that the creator and the creation are one. We aren't two. 
We are part of it. We're all created in the Big Bang or the creation, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, and we're spread out into the universe to learn and to grow and to experience. Planets are born and die and universes happen and, and galaxies and we, relationships happen and we learn that when all the energy is spent out of the universe, we are all going to come together back as one, as the creator once again. And this is and this is the genesis that I went through by going through all these experiences by, by seeing spirit. The first lesson I learned in the place was seeing spirit. The next lessons I learned is I went through a life review where I reviewed everything in my life and I learned and I saw so much value in some of the most difficult things in my experience. And then I was tested. I was tested on my knowledge to see if I had the understanding to stay in spirit or perhaps to return back to earth in my body or, or in another incarnation to learn more and prepare. And this was so much of the experience that, that I began to understand later that, that this isn't unique to myself that happened to Stevie Weber. As I began to study so many spiritual teachings that I realized so much spiritual liter literature comes from somebody experiencing a near-death experience and, and going through that death process. There is a life process as you're born. Your body goes through, separating from the umbilical cord, and there's a life process that happens to be born. There's also a life and a spiritual process in passing. So these are the things that I learned in that place that really helped me deal, to be able to deal not only with my recovery, but with the challenges I was going to face, and especially the passing of my son. It was then that I realized that he was going through all those beautiful experiences that I was experiencing. It was. Right. It was a beautiful place. It wasn't just hanging around in clouds. It was a learning and growing and blissful where you start to realize everything in your life made sense. It was a purpose. It wasn't for naught. It was for a wonderful purpose to adding to everything that is. And I came to the understanding that my son was going through that as I was. And he was sending me messages. And this is the way the universe works. And we're all doing our part. And I'm going to make the best of this, everything I can. And that's why an essential theme in our book is, is life is good and people are good, even when very sad things happen. And it's so true. You can't wait in life for life to be easy to be happy. Be happy now. Really. Really, there's always going to be challenges. If you're not challenged in life, you're not living. You really are. And, and I guess that there's rarely a day goes by that I don't think of my son. But, but now, I don't think of him with sadness. Before, I thought of him only about the circumstances of his death. But now, when I think of him, I think about the bliss that he must be experiencing. And that's in the same way that I met Kathy, Kathy, Kathy's higher self, that when I see him again, we'll be in our higher selves and we'll realize why all this has happened. And it will have a meaning, a very important meeting, and it will all make sense. But in the meantime, we're going to live it. We're going to live life. We're going to get as many experiences as, as we have. We're not going to hold on too tightly, but, but we're not going to give up life either. Life is valuable, and we have to treat it with respect and love because that love is truly the ultimate intelligence and the reason why we're here. And what we have all just experienced is the inner, innate, essential joy that bubbles up when we are free from believing we're a limited human being. Joy, joy just 
<laughs> that's what you just radiate, Steve. And I have to say, your book is called, you know, The Place Between Here and There, A True Story. But, Kathy, there's one part in that book that cannot be true, and that is that you had to encourage Steve to share his story. <laughs> oh, it was true. Is that crazy? He did not want to share it. He said, listen to me. I'm just a computer guy. And I said, you are an eloquent speaker. And you had this experience that must be shared. And that help, yeah. only helps people that are grieving, but it helps people embark on a spiritual journey. It's a love story. It's, yeah. it's a, yeah. a to, story to find of what he's just shared. It's everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off here, but we're really running out of time very quickly. And so what I'd love to do is wrap up here with, you know, Stephen and Kathy, you know that the place between here and there, as you describe it, is this, this blissful state, even though you have the life review and you are tested and are, you know, have you really understood this completely? And so would you talk about the meaning in continuing our lives here? Because some people say, well, I want that. Why do I have to continue being here? Please end the show talking about meaning now. Well, for um, so much of the experience in that other place, I would say most of my time was spent doing this life review. And so I'd review everything in my life. And then I would start it over again and review it again. Each time I went through my life, I learned many more things. But what I began to learn is that the most difficult things in my life, the things that really made me crazy, that brought me such grief, sadness, uh, jealousy and everything else all had a purpose and then I understood them and once I began to understand them I began to feel bliss and if it wasn't for these life experiences I wouldn't be able to work it out because when you're incarnated in spirit you know so much you're not going to make the mistakes that you would make here and learn from them it's one thing like it's almost like there is book learning here is real world experience and so you have to come into this world being ignorant and learning as you go to add to your spiritual awareness. And so uh, I, I, I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does perfectly. That and it helps us get perspective. Uh, Kathy, any final words from you? Uh, yeah, I think that a lot of these experience in teaching us something that's very valuable to take into the world right now is that we are one. All this division that we're experiencing in life right now is is not helping us. We have to stop looking at black and white, at this religion versus that religion, male, female, transgender versus straight. Like, we're all in the same family. We're all one vibration. And we have to learn to see the God in everyone. Look and see their spirit. Okay, I'm going to have to stop there and just, I want to tell everybody, we have just scratched the surface of your book and you actually give methods and techniques and even a meditation in the book about how to actually experience that oneness. So time went way too quickly, but thank you both for being with, with us here today and for sharing the, the joy, the bliss and the love. Thank you so much. It was such an honor. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.